if there's anything that is undiscovered. I was in my 40s when I started the school, but if you're if there's something that has gone un unattended Tapped. to or yeah. untapped in your life, yeah. it has to be done. Otherwise, you're going to have that silent feeling at the back of your head that I never mm. did this, I never did that. Amen. That's yeah. true. Very good. I'm Todd Harrington, and you're listening to the Gray Matters Podcast. Along with my co-host, Tony Hoyland, each episode explores a special guest's lifelong passion. There'll be a bit of nostalgia, but mostly it's our guest's personal story of how they discovered their passion and how it evolved over the years. Welcome to the Gray Matters Podcast. Our guest today is Jacqueline Porter, a classically trained former professional dancer and singer. She started dancing at a very young age. She even trained at the world-renowned Central Pennsylvania Youth Ballet. She moved to New York at 17 and landed her first professional stage role within a month. A long and successful stage career. Some highlights were two huge Broadway shows, including 1,600 performances of Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat and Jerome Robbins' Broadway. She also was the understudy in the title role for the iconic Debbie Reynolds in The Unsinkable Molly Brown. Jacqueline has guest taught and choreographed dancers all over the world in a variety of venues. She actually moved to Dallas in 2008. In 2009, she started Park City Dance and then the Dallas Conservatory, which is Dallas-Fort Worth's largest performing arts school with 16 studios and two campuses with 1,700 students of all ages and levels. She literally has trained some of today's top dancers from their first plie. Without further ado, meet Jacqueline Porter. Hello, Jacqueline. (laughs) Hi, Todd. How are you? (laughs) Now, before we start, we do have someone else named Tony Hoyland. He is a... uh, Really cool voice you'll chime in from time to time. He's a talented musician and professional voiceover. Tony Hoyland, meet Jacqueline. Hey, Jacqueline, how are you? Hi, I'm great. How are you? And thank you both for having me on the show. How's the weather down there? Uh, The weather is perfect, as always. Dallas is really good. Um, It's clear, bright. It's not here, so... so there's so much to talk about because, I mean, I've, I've looked and uh, read about you and, and looked on some films, and you, you really found dance very early in life. What age were you when you really discovered it and why? What happened? Um, you know, my mother had a dance studio, so it was hard to avoid mm-hmm. <laughs> because the dance studio was right in our house. Wow. Um, and while her dance studio later expanded and was no longer in our house, when I grew up, um, that was my first recollection was hearing the music downstairs and just being aware that dance was happening every day in my house. And then I would sort of wander down and start dancing a little bit with my mother or the students after classes. And then I think when I was three, I was old enough to take. Wow. Did you, did you know when you started dancing? Like, I mean, this is kind of that moment, that epiphany, that you, this is something that you want to do potentially forever? <laughs> I think you don't know that at three. I think at three, it's no, also when did that <laughs> but, oh yeah, when, but but I think I knew it um, probably at four or five. Oh. Uh, it was the ripe was, old age of four. There you go. <laughs> yes. I think I just naturally identified as a dancer, and it didn't occur to me to do or be anything else after probably that age. Mm. So all of our 
our family, it was a very artistic family, and my dad was a theater director, my mother was this dance teacher, and um, it was just normal and natural for us to have dance in the house. And so, yeah, I, it, it didn't occur to me to like be a doctor or a lawyer or the things that my friends were doing later. Wow. I mean, it, it just seems to find something that early is amazing to me. Do you, and you studied all these great places and then you just decided at 17, I'm going to New York. I'm going to do what you do. It's right out of a, like a, a short story of a celebrity. Just she hit the, she hit the big city. I did. I, I, did. I had, um, I had really good training growing up. Um, so my mother was my first teacher and then I had, um, other really good teachers and really good guests and I went to good summer intensives. And so it was, clear to me that I was going to have the, you know, the ability to possibly be a professional. And then I went to one year of college. I, I um, graduated from high school early, like 16. And I went to one year of college. And so I was there when I was like age 17. And I realized as I looked around there that I would have enough to just, like, ability to just go to New York and be a pro. So I did that. Wow. That's That's <laughs> and cool. I didn't know one person and I had never traveled alone before and I suddenly arrived in New York with two suitcases on, wow. on the Greyhound bus. Oh my bus. God, this is like... We should, Literally, the really Greyhound bus. Makes me think of that movie Turning Point. Remember that? Yes. Oh my God. And you know what? The star of that, Leslie Brown, is now one of my very good colleagues and friends. Wow. That's yes. Incredible. Every time really I go to cool. New York, I get together and she was my childhood idol being in that movie. I, I it, love that movie. Me too. Uh, you know, you're 17, you get your, uh, you know, a role on stage so early. I mean, and then you continued and did it just keep flowing? Because I see all your credits and stuff. Or do you have any, did you have any time where you said like, this is not going to work or you never, oh. never had doubts? Oh my gosh. Yes. So I, it, it got off to a rapid start. I got my first equity role within, within a month, I think it was. And I was 18. I had just turned 18 and, um, then I thought, well, that's it. I'm going to be a star now. And clearly um, Hollywood will be knocking soon and I'll be a film star. I, I just, I really mm. thought it was all going to go that way, but it, it didn't actually. Getting other jobs, even though they amount to a large amount on a resume, there are times in between for sure, months and months at a time when you're not working and you're only going to auditions and it's very disheartening. And you've it's quite, there. it's, you've been, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's hard on your self-esteem and it's hard on your, um, you know, you're definitely going to have times that you think, wow, this is not turning out quite right. But then I always had the firm belief, I don't know what it was, I just knew that if I persisted, it would happen. And as it turns out, it really didn't happen um, in the way I imagined. I imagined I would be, I, I don't know, a film star. I thought that the dancing and the acting would all go together and that... But um, no, over the years, it was the steady progress. There was this job, then this one, then this one, then this. And many of them were in dancing. But then there came times when I didn't dance and I marketed on the phone or I sold or I did business writing on the side because I was a trained writer as well. I went back to college later. Mm. But those things all ended up adding up to what is now my career. So while I think when you're young and Todd, you probably thought this as well, that your career would go one way. Mm -hmm. It, 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 it doesn't, it has, <laughs> it's a, 
might have gone way too many ways. Uh, like, uh, um, yeah. No, no, I know what you mean about that. My, my time as an actor, like I got out to Hollywood and the guy said, you're going to be a star. I met him like, so, you, you know, he went out and bought everyone drinks. He never called me. He never returned my calls after that. That's so LA. That I is know. Okay. <laughs> he goes, you're going to be the next Kevin Cosner. I go, all right. Ooh, I go yes, back to, I literally said, I mean, I knew you out there, Jacqueline. And it's like, oh yeah. I said, drinks on me. And of course, then I didn't work. So it was really, I actually owed a lot of money for a while to the bartender. But I mean, uh, it, it's really sad, those promises, but the, the, it's kind of segues into the fact that like you, your persistence, just you, some people just say, I can't do it, but you had it in your, your heart that this is what you're going to do to whatever level that might be. So that's really impressive that you continued. Well, I also had a good work ethic. My parents are wartime Britain uh, uh, immigrants. Oh, <laughs> so wow. they're from England and they had, um, when I was growing up around the house, we worked hard. I grew up in a big house and there was a lot of land and we didn't have housekeepers and we didn't have people to keep up the land. It was our family who did it all in between my classical ballet training. So I had this huge schedule um, that allowed me to sort of work harder and uh, withstand, you know, discomfort, I guess you would say. So it's not all that comfortable weeding a garden for four hours in in the... Pennsylvania summer sun. <laughs> well, your so, work ethic, yeah. I mean, yeah, you so like think a trainer work, as a dancer, yeah. Yeah, that's it too. So those two things combined. So my point is that I, persistence matters as long as you're working. You know, sometimes people stay in the game a very long time, but they aren't mm. really working that hard at it. Right, And right. so you have, to, um, you have to continue to take steps every day is, you know, the typical advice, isn't it? But it's true. You have to every single day work on something. Well, that, mm. And that trained you for being on stage because I look at these dancing, these videos and these films and the, the hours you're on your feet and the dancing, I mean, you got to love it. You got to love it to keep doing that. I keep thinking your yep. feet yep. must be killing them after a while. <laughs> you're right. No, love is the other thing, isn't it? Because if you don't love something, you're not going to stay at it. And so when you right. really love it, then, then that keeps you in the game. To me, dance, and as Tony knows, and actually you have seen me dance, Jacqueline. I mean, I, I enjoy it from a very freestyle point of view. There's a point. <laughs> I'm trying to keep a straight face with that. Um, oh, are you a, really going to go there, man? You know, there's, a, there's a discipline to it that I admire, the constant to the point of the, you know, the sore feet. It's over and over again that the you guys have to train, train, and train. But that's an obvious thing. I mean, to get to be the best, you have to train. What I find with dancing personally, and obviously you can go talk to us about it, is the level of emotion, the endorphins and things that it releases. I mean, it's, you're, you're in a state of bliss constantly because mm-hmm. it does something to your body. Can you talk a little bit about that and your students and how it affects them? Yes. And that, I think, is what drives you right from the beginning. I think if you are, um, when you discover dancing, it's that high, those endorphins Mm -hmm. that keep you going through the pain because there's no question dancing is painful. Each and every day, um, maybe a class is two hours long. By the time you're, oh, 11, you're taking a two-hour class every day, five or six days a week. Um, And yeah, it's a lot. And a lot of that class is deeply uncomfortable or even what you might call painful. Not painful like like getting hurt, like socked in the, it's, it's not like that it's a it's a muscular pain where you are driving your body through its limit um like any athlete i'm sure mm-hmm. in in dancing it's super profound because it's all over your body there's not one ounce of your body that's not being used while dancing so 
some kids are not into the pain and they're not into working and pushing themselves. But the ones who really love it learn to go into that. And they're the ones who end up being uh, the professionals. So the love has to be there the love has to be there to overcome the pain. Yeah. And then, yeah, you have to be consistently that person who strives to excel the minute you wake up in the morning. Mm. Well, it's interesting. I, I, I read something earlier about saying it's pretty impossible to to stay in a bad mood when you dance and i think that's a great thought you know because people think of dancing like okay yeah i mean let's go dancing i mean it's Although really I've, lovely i've go heard ahead. that a lot of the choreographers can be brutal is that true jacqueline i mean just like like yeah so that's part of the t- that's that that's well sadistic yeah that's usually when you get more toward like professional stuff and the, right. they realize as you're older you can sort of take more um you know, difficult ways of speaking. And that sort of abusive type of thing has sort of been pushed into the past with the whole, you know, people are more aware now. So years mm-hmm. ago, they used to be pretty, pretty tough. And, you know, um, these days people are far more politically correct, but they're still going to drive you. A good coach is like in baseball or anything. Right. A good coach is going to drive you. Um, mm-hmm. But you're right, Todd, I think the whole thing is that the endorphins you feel when, when dancing, that just gets you past everything, it gets you past the physical pain and also the emotional um, challenges of, you know, having to listen to your coach drive you. Yeah, I mean, you, you think about, to Tony's point, the old school with these, and obviously they're kind of exaggerated perhaps in movies or the show, A Chorus Line, the very first show I ever saw, that they're just brutally pushing you so hard. So the love for the for dance has to take has over. To Otherwise there. you're like, yeah. why the hell am I doing this? I mean, yeah. it's insane. So I think you're uh, right. So it's been, it has been, um, uh, in, what's the word? It, it's enhanced in movies it's it's not usually like black swan or dance moms mm-hmm. those, these yeah. things yes they, black swan that's another one. <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. they um they for entertainment's sake are going to take it further but right. it, there is a grain of truth to it and a, and a big one the physical benefits are staggering right i mean mm. you know you other than you're pounding on your feet but the, it's, it's so the, the health benefits are great and, and along those lines and here about the, the mental benefits. I know it's you know, the emotions and the endorphins, but it's a level of euphoria that that it, it, it can maintain as a professional dancer is incredible. Tell me a little bit about what goes through your head when you're dancing like that. Well, now you're bringing up a, a good point for uh, gray matters, which is that I, mm-hmm. you know, as you get older, you can't dance to the ability you did when you were younger. And now that I'm a teacher and primarily running a business, um, I don't dance anything like I did up and through my 30s. So my last Broadway show, I was in my 30s when I did it. Um, And the high of, you know, a a show every night and a very active one, which is what we did. I was used to feeling absolutely fantastic and being in great shape all day, every day because of that rush of endorphins you'd get eight times a week. Mm. Um, Then when I retired and maybe many years later or some years later, um, open to dance school, I get a rush by seeing the kids dance, you know, the ones that I'm creating as they start to dance well, that certainly gives me literally a, a, an endorphin rush. But I don't get it myself personally, unless I am dancing, which is rare. But the mm. great thing about COVID, the silver lining, is that we were forced into our homes more. And I finally, after 
I will say 10 years, I started doing ballet bar again. Oh. Ballet bar means I would stand at my kitchen counter and, you know, the first part of a ballet classroom, maybe you don't know, takes place at a bar. So now what I found is that I can literally be dancing for just a few minutes. Like I can do one to two minutes of dance and I feel like a different person and I have a, yeah. and it's so youth giving and mm-hmm. it, it brings up the most important thing I, I would think that at our age, if you did a sport when you were young or if there's something that you want to be taking up, boy, oh boy, walking is great. I love walking and I'm a walker right now, but moving your body in another way other than the pedestrian way that we're used to, you know, we take strides every day. So if you go for a walk, it's great, but that's what the body is used to doing. It's Mm -hmm. by throwing the body into some other sort of mode that, wow, the the rush that comes from it is fantastic. Totally, I find that's cool. Totally. And that's, that's why question. that's why when we dance at parties, that's why <laughs> even now at our age, you know, when yeah, that music comes great. on and it makes us feel so young again. I've got a question. So I, I get that you're primarily a ballet dancer, but I'm guessing since you did Broadway and shows and stuff that you also did like jazz as, as well, right? Definitely. And <clears throat> the, the story there is that... Um, Growing up as a ballet dancer, I got the very best training, but it became clear somewhere around 16 or 17 that I wasn't going to have the physique that would be necessary for a ballet dancer. They typically are 5'4 to 5'6. That's just a, that's just a general. They're 5'4 to 5'6 and they have um, a hyper-extended leg. The leg goes mm-hmm. straighter than straight. The hips are open at the hip so that they, the knees can create a turnout of 180 degrees and the foot is going to be arched in most unusual way. I think you've probably seen a high arched foot before. Yep. So these are things that I didn't have. I had the pretty good, but was pretty okay. But I didn't have the classic ballet physique. And mm-hmm. at the same time, I loved. I had grown. My dad was an, a, an acting director and actor, um, theater director and actor, and he. I had been exposed to Broadway for years. And so at 17, I took my first jazz class and I was like, wow, I look good doing this. I love every type of music besides ballet. I love expressing myself in 10 different ways because jazz, your listeners might not know this, but jazz is not done to jazz music. Jazz is the, the, uh, the dance term for anything that is going to be done to anything other than classical music. Um, so basically it could be hip hop, not, not hip hop, but any... Um, swing or uh, musical theater style music, these are all considered to be jazz. And so as soon as I started taking jazz classes, that was it. I was like, aha, I see that I have talent here. I also see that my body and my look is perfect for this. And yeah, I'm off to New York. Mm-hmm. Nice. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Tony, Tony and I were talking earlier about like the things, movies like, things like Flashdance. I remember watching that movie, <laughs> running near the streets of New York, jumping over garbage cans. And so all I want to do is dance. <laughs> And my, you know, my dad goes, you, you can't be a professional dancer. You don't listen. You know, it's like I, I was on a mission to become, find a way to make a living dancing, although I had no ability to grasp any choreography. So uh, those dreams went quickly down. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. That was just the most telling detail. They say in a, in a book or a story yeah. of someone's life, the telling detail and oh that idea God. of you running and jumping over trash cans in New York. I caught my, after I, unfortunately, I caught the tip of a garbage can. I fell oh. as I jumped over. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh and I couldn't, I, and, and, and my girlfriend at the time didn't think I would look good in a ripped uh, sweatshirt like she wore, but uh, I tried everything. Oh, I tried boy. everything. Um, so, so the one thing about, um, drifting a little bit of uh, the gray matters is that, you know, 
while I was researching, I said, listen, maybe I should take some dance classes, segueing into that. And I looked at Fred Astaire dance, and you realize that, and I even typed in for the heck of it in Google, is it too late to start dance classes? And they're like, no. No. You know, it's like it going anytime. And you, it's got to be the benefits, again, from the emotional, mental, physical, they're all there. It's just, like you said, to the level of going a truly performer to a teacher, you still can do the dance. Yeah, and I would I would say that um, in our school, so we my school is called the Dallas Conservatory, and we have um, two campuses. And on those two campuses, we are probably nine tenths kids, but we have almost five hundred adults between the two oh, campuses who take. And that are those are now. This was pre COVID. Now a lot of people are staying home and they take online in their homes. Is so that we the same? do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is the same to them. They're happy to even just be in their home. So we don't mm-hmm. have that many students. But we will again. But the point is, imagine 500 people, and this is only in our small city, and there are other schools in our small city that teach, you know, dance. But all over our country, there are adults taking it up for the first time. Um, and, and especially with the uh, proliferation of all the, the TV shows, you know, all those dance, dance shows. Oh, it's yeah, been really good yeah. for the dance business. I mean, that's a yeah. hot show. All these people have never danced before, these stars, and get on this show and dance. Yes. And they, their partners just, oh, my God, are psychotically good watching them dance. So. <laughs> I would love to learn, um, like, the merengue, the mamba oh, kind of thing. Yes. I love that. It's so that's sexy. a scary visual for me. Just but actually, no, you know dude, what? I could pull it off. I'm part <laughs> Colombian. You oh, could. that's right. You yeah. can, I can pull totally it off. pull it off. And oh. that, uh, I'm a huge fan of flamenco. flamenco. I don't want to do that, but I but I love seeing it. <clears throat> I, I was going to say is. merengue is easy. Flamenco is hard. So if I was yeah. going to um, professionally advise, go for merengue. Oh hell yeah! No, I wouldn't want to do <laughs> flamenco, but I love seeing it. There's a company called uh, Noche Flamenco here in the city that is so good. Oh. Never yeah. seen them. The one that is kind of weird to me is a tango. It looks like everyone snaps oh, too quickly. I think I'd pull oh, a muscle. It's, oh, tango is gorgeous, but that too is very difficult. Yeah, you got to so be very exact. Don't start there. No. Yeah, but the, one, the, <laughs> ones to, the ones to start with are just flat out salsa, merengue. Okay. Um, do you guys teach that as well in, in, your, in your... From time to time we do. We, we've got a lot of... Um, you've got a lot of schools around Dallas who already teach it, and it's kind of mm. hard to, uh, you know, go into that territory gotcha. it's better that we just stick with what we do how, but, if i may ask how, how did you end up in dallas um well my i was living in new york and i was post um post broadway career mm-hmm. and i was very happily living with a fellow who was still on broadway he had done 12 broadway shows and he was very um very well known mm-hmm. a choreographer a director and also an actor and dancer. And he had um, the most unusual thing happen to him. He was starring in a play at the Kennedy Center with Mikhail Baryshnikov, the famous dancer. The two of them were doing the small play together, just six people in the cast. And he was playing the guardian angel to this Baryshnikov character. And the Mm -hmm. two of them were on stage together. And just at the climax of the play where the, um, where the, guardian angel is supposed to have saved Bershnikov. Instead, he lay down on the stage and went all the way back. And that was my partner and boyfriend having a, a massive heart attack on stage at the, at the oh Kennedy Center in New York. Oh, my God. Sorry, it was absolutely, um, wow. it was just, it was too much to bear at the time. Wow. And after he died a week later, and after um, I sort of made my way through 
thinking what to do next because we were planning to be married. We were going to have a business together. We were going to have a house together. We were, you know, we were planning our lives together. Um, I said, I have to leave New York. That's it. I can't be walking these streets anymore. So I chose a city in America that I thought I could make an impact in. And I literally got in a car and I drove to St. Louis. I drove to San Francisco, to Houston, to Dallas. And I checked each city out like for about three or four days. I I stayed and I looked around and thought, what do they have? What do they not have? Can I make an impact here in dance? And um, Dallas seemed to have the most opportunity. You know, it's the fastest growing city in the planet, um, on the planet. So I, they didn't yet have a multi-studio complex of that was, you know, you know, six or eight studios. There, were everyone from age eighteen months to adult can study all types of dance. That didn't exist yet. So I thought, aha, that is something I can do. Um, so I knew no one, not one person, and I had never. I'd started three dance studios before, but only sort of like pop-up ones where I happened to live with. You know, if I was living with a boyfriend somewhere, then I would, you know, pop up a dance studio. So I had something to do well. So I hadn't tried to start a school, but what happened was here in Dallas, my particular brand of teaching, I'm very, very precise and I'm super, super exacting and I demand a lot of the kids while having a lot of fun. We, we laugh and I give them tremendous amounts of compliments, and but I also drive them. Um, and the results I was getting with the kids were good. And so they, um, the um, public responded very well and my school grew in no time. And part of it is my passion for teaching. Mm-hmm. I found, my gosh, after all these years of thinking that I was going to be a star, it's not this. Now mm-hmm. at the ripe old age of, I was in my 40s, I realized that what I want more than anything is to give other people the chance to feel good about themselves and discover how exciting and fun it is to dance well. Mm-hmm. You know, when that music is going and if you have some talent or some training behind you, it is a high, as you spoke of before, that um, it... Anyway, the school built, word of mouth built. We were at 300 kids in just two years. Then we were at 1,700 kids a few years ago with two campuses. Um, But I, when I'm when I'm building my studio, I find people just like me who are really they love dancing themselves. Like they're not the type of people that would be at a party and the music could go on and they're not going to pop up and dance. Mm. So Todd. (laughs) we are alike in this sense I'm the very same person the music is playing and I'm going to be the first one on the dance floor and I will be the last one off the dance floor that's how much I love dancing it, 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 was it was it hard because to your point about being in it, it's like you had this did you this this is truly your calling although you were a dancer was did you ever see yourself becoming a teacher or you just said no I'm be a star. especially okay. because my mother had to dance school uh-huh. so that's the last thing I would have ever thought I again I wanted to carve my own path I thought I would sure. do um, much more exciting things well as it turns out I'm excited by this as you get older, if there's anything that is undiscovered, I was in my 40s when I started this um, the school. But if you're if there's something that has gone un, unattended Tapped. to or yeah. untapped in your life, yeah. it has to be done. Otherwise, you're going to have that silent feeling at the back of your head that I never mm. did this, I never did that. Amen. Well, that's yeah. true. Very good. And I also think that um, one of the things, if you can make a little bit of money from what you do, or you're or you're volunteering or whatever it is. 
if you're, it's got to be passion based. So it's got to be something you do well and feel passionate about. Like no sense in taking up something because your friends are doing it. Mm. No sense. It's got to be something that really drives you, whether anybody else is doing it or not. Great advice. I mean, that's sort of the key, isn't it, in life to find something you love. And if you have a knack for it, that's, you're on, you're on your road. Yeah. Um, You know, I I think about um, how you see uh, the future of your dance studio. And I know you said you don't dance as much, but where does the plans is to to grow it more and uh, or just kind of keep it and maintain it as it is? Great, great question. Two two things I had wanted to do um, before I um, before I set sail from this world. (laughs) Um, And one of them is this year. I have always wanted, even before COVID happened, I wanted to make an online conservatory. There is no accredited Hmm. program to to learn dance on the internet, believe it or not. So there is my wide open niche and I can't believe Mm. I'm announcing it publicly, but that's what I'll be doing this year. We'll cut that part out. That's really cool. (laughs) um, So I I will be... um, developing classes at all levels for all ages in I all think styles. It's a great idea. Actually. It's fantastic, yeah. right? I mean, look at what's happened with all this other stuff like Peloton and I mean like all why that not? Stuff. That is exactly the the prototype. Thank you, Tony. It is yeah. Peloton but for dance. Yeah, and so it's great. So uh, we have a spectacular faculty, but I will be the sort of the face of the program and I will be the one who um, teaches the ballet classes. Um, but there is um, yeah, that's you got to get on that. There, get there, 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 I am just speaking to you makes me realize. My gosh, tomorrow, tomorrow. I'll bug you next <laughs> week. Make sure it's started. Yeah, yeah, and then and then I'm gonna have to follow my own advice. One step every day. So thank mm-hmm. you for. Um, mm-hmm. But then yeah. the other thing is, and what I had started to do um, some years ago, I do want to build um, a full academic and uh, performing arts school in the arts district here in Dallas. So it'll be a. Um, a beautiful state-of-the-art school, if it happens, but I, I fully intend for it to, um, where it'll be uh, all arts under one roof and where you would have above it apartments and above that condos so that people from around the world can come and study. So like if you're a woman in your you know, 40s or 50s or 60s or a gentleman coming from yeah. India yeah. and in his 60s, anything, uh-huh. wherever you're wanting to come from and do a little, um, you know, two weeks or six months oh, of study. Awesome. Isn't that... God, that yeah. sounds like heaven. I love it. I'm going to sign me up. awesome. Yeah, I'll take it. Plus, I just want a place where some cool people will come and I'll meet them. Absolutely. You have to go anywhere. When I came here, I don't mean to sell my city, but when I came here, I couldn't believe that I spent the number of years in New York that I had. And one of the reasons I came here was New York. Yes, I had to leave to start my new business. I wanted to start a new life. But I could never have afforded to start a new business in New York. Whereas Dallas has no state tax, it's got perfect weather. Nice. Don't ask me why I dealt with Pennsylvania or New York weather all those years. And um, it's just, it's booming. It's like the gold rush. It's like Los Angeles was 20 years ago. It's mm. absolutely thrillingly um, ripe for whatever it is that people might plan to do. <laughs> Sounds good. Do you, are there some students, I know you've taught so many students, are there a few that really have truly gone on to be like they're in New York or they're on Broadway. Uh, you have any, that's they're your not, proud mother, so to speak? I do. No, they're not quite old enough for that yet. So my oldest students at this point, the ones that I have trained personally, are no more than 20 or 21 years okay. old. But okay. of the ones that I have who are 20 or 21, we've we've had kids go to the top two schools in America, which are the most difficult dance schools to get into, and that's Juilliard and USC. Wow. And some of, them, the, some of our USC kids got in on, I got two kids who went in, 
to USC on 90% scholarships. That's so that's amazing. how good. So, and then we have a couple of, we have other ones. Um, one boy who was a, um, uh, he, he was a scholarship student um, and he came from a, not a privileged background. And he ended up going to the Royal Ballet to, um, on full scholarships, the Royal Ballet and the School of American Ballet in New York to train because they identified him as such an ultra-talented young person. And he is currently just on the verge of turning professional. And we have two to three others just who have turned professional this year. Um, exciting. Yeah, it's, it's very, like very exciting. Yeah. So turn, and when I say turn professional, meaning they've got professional dance contracts, meaning they're getting paid even during mm. pandemic to dance, which is That's unbelievable. Incredible. Yeah. Come true. Yep. Uh, Jacqueline, we, we really enjoyed uh, speaking to you in your life journey. Uh, Absolutely. As a performer, I have to loved a teacher, speaking to you it's too. incredible. And the future looks bright and the online get going. The online conservatory. You got to do it. You got to do it. And I will think of you each and every day when I'm taking that one step per day. I'll think of the two of you. Good. Yeah. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoy this episode of the Gray Matters podcast. Please rate and review and be sure to tell your friends too. For more information about this podcast, go to thegraymatters.org. And please subscribe to the Gray Matters wherever you get your podcasts. I'd like to thank my guest, Jacqueline Porter, my co-host, Tony Hoyland, and a special thanks to you, the listener. I'm Todd Harrington. Until next time.